Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Famula One. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm here with my sister, Jack. Hi, everybody. And we have a very, very special guest joining us today. You may know him from TikTok. We have Danny with us. Hello. Oh, my God. Hey, Danny. But it's me. <laughs> Danny, is this your first um, podcast you've done? Uh, yeah, as far as related to motorsport, I had done some like in college. I was on a, a sports podcast, but yeah, I'm very out of practice. That was a few years ago. We it'll be great. We're excited to be your first your first podcast as a motorsport creator. Very excited. Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess like drilling down to like general motorsport, right? How did you get into motorsport? Um, really it was like 2021. And so we were, it was still kind of high to the pandemic. And there was a guy that I worked with who told me just every year, you know, it was three straight years. Of, you know, you should watch formula one. I think you'd like it. I always kind of rolled my eyes. Um, and then one day I woke up middle of the summer and I never got motorsport notifications on my phone. Cause I, I didn't care at that point, but I did get one from the ESPN app. It was like, hey, Monaco Grand Prix starts in 10 minutes. And I thought I there's nothing else going on this morning. And so I like made myself an espresso and sat down. And like now for us, now that we've been in it a little bit, we know that Monaco is not like the race <laughs> to watch. Yeah. But but for me, I that I was slumped on the couch and it was literally that meme of the kids sitting forward playing video games. And that was me when I saw the cars around the track and the, the onboard cams and all that. I sat forward and if you had like a, a close shot of my pupils, they would have just just opened up. And and from then on, really, it was it became a, an obsession. And next week, I think it was the next week was Silverstone 2021. And so I got trial by fire uh, <laughs> into Formula One, for sure. Yeah, it's like you started out with kind of, you know, a more tame one, and then you really got the action directly after that. <laughs> yeah, and like my defining memory from the first race I ever watched, because that was Botas's, uh <laughs> machining the wheel nut onto the car and him having to retire in the pit lane. And so that was... Yeah, that's the only thing I remember from that race. <laughs> I mean, like, crazy. So then you're also into IndyCar and NASCAR, correct? So did that sort of, like, follow as the obsession grew? Yeah, because I, I just wanted more open wheel racing to watch. And so that was IndyCar. Um, and really enjoyed that series just because of kind of the cultural difference there is to Formula 1, 2. Like, it's just very... They're just in like farm fields driving around a lot of the time, you know, and they say a prayer beforehand, which is just like wild. I, I grew up and still live yeah, in the Midwest. And so I'm like, I, I get these people, you know, these are the people I've been around. And then NASCAR was definitely, that's the furthest departure culturally from Formula One. But I, I started watching some of that and really fell in love with the super speedways and you know, you can get into every fight you want to on TikTok with the, mm -hmm. the only turn left and all that. But I, I swear you you spend enough time watching the strategy that they're doing, trying to keep a car on rails at 215 around a super speedway. It's tough to tough to not enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I kind of do all of it now. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's it's very similar to, to how we got into IndyCar as well. Like the, you know, you start with F1 and you're like, all right, well, what's more of this yeah. that i can see <laughs> yeah. yeah have you guys made the jump to f2 or any of that we've tried so but you it's hard to watch that stuff when you don't have like the formula one app i believe oh right yeah. so i i want to i want to get into formula two um mm -hmm. even formula three because um sophia i don't know her last name there's a woman racing in Formula Three, and I'd love yeah. to watch her. So. Oh, uh, yeah, Flourish. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I would love to. I just don't know. Yeah. I've, I've watched like the highlights afterwards that they'll post on YouTube, but that's sure. about it. 
<laughs> yeah, that one is that that is just like fantastic wheel to wheel stuff that's on par honestly with with IndyCar. I I love F2. Like it's a highlight of the race weekend now for me. And um I so I obviously encourage you to check that one out, but even F4 like sometimes you know you've gone a little bit too far because I'm just browsing YouTube now on the weekends and like Formula Regional European Championships is on and they just stream it on YouTube and so you just the content's there but I I, I could probably stand to dial it back a <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I feel for like next year with with Mick doing WEC. I'm like, well, now I have to learn WEC yeah. and follow WEC. Yeah. I'm like, okay, when does this end, Jamie? We're gonna like, <laughs> are we just gonna follow everything now? Yeah, yeah, because we got F1 Obviously. Academy to also watch. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the goodness for that, you know, being broadcast. Like oh when that God. came out at the beginning of 2023, I was like, why? Why would you do this? And yeah. Then we got yeah. to see it in in Texas, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it was so awesome. Yeah, I I felt very strongly when they came out that they were only going to be doing live timings. I was like, I feel that this is dooming the series. I'm yeah. very glad that they have turned that around. You're you're just setting it up for failure because no one's going to watch that. Well, well Jamie, you did. I did. It was <laughs> awful. They used the worst live timing service, I think, ever. Yeah. It was awful. So I'm glad we I, don't have I, to Yeah, I mean, I spared myself that, that struggle because I didn't watch the live timing. I was just, I mean, I very helpfully for everyone spent my time being grumpy for a full year about it. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, when you see it in Texas, it was obviously fantastic. We knew it was, we knew it was going to be good racing. And then... I'm very excited for for Leah too, with yes. Leah next year. Like I'm so looking forward to seeing her race. Yeah, yeah. American drivers everywhere. Yeah, Williams yeah. is collecting them. We love it. Yeah, they are <laughs> some better than others. Yeah, they're do they're doing it better than the American team. That's true. Yeah, that is, that's that very is true. true. That's fair. <laughs> but Andretti will have one when they're on the when they're on the grid. Oh, when man. they're on the grid, we're speaking it into when. existence. It's when, it's it when. Yep, has to oh, be. It's gonna be sick, dude. I'm so excited. It's not even gonna happen for years, but I'm so excited for it. If it happens, but we're manifesting. Oh, when? They, they broke ground a little south of here, a little south of here. I'm in Minnesota, but Indianapolis have their global like racing headquarters thing. Surely they wouldn't spend all the money building <laughs> that if they weren't gonna get into F1. Surely not. Surely yeah. not. Um, but so speaking to, you know, you follow the cultural differences, right? F1, IndyCar. Jack and I are very familiar with that. We both don't really follow NASCAR. Pros and cons that you see between the series. Um, I think that for one, I, I, I reject the the argument that gets put forth by like the old fogies a lot of the time of like this is just too much glamour and stuff now i'm like it's formula one like the, they're rock stars like this is gonna happen just enjoy the ride that it's gonna take you on um but i will say that when you get your dose of that on like a sunday morning is really nice on the sunday afternoons to go to like indycar and, and nascar because you guys obviously know the difference like this step maybe sideways to nascar or to indycar and what that culture is like and then it's a little bit further for for nascar um but at the same time like i've never been to a nascar race and you have the same kind of elements of the online community that you get in all the motorsports where it's kind of like eh. but nascar has done like a really good job that i've seen of trying to change that both at the at the you know at the circuits themselves but also just the online presence and make it more of a more of like a welcoming atmosphere for new fans which i think is the right i think it's the right thing to do because netflix and then the decisions made by formula one management not all winners right but they got a lot of people interested a lot of new people interested and have for the most part managed to convert those people into regular watchers and so there's some of that but yeah i mean when you're 
you're, you're saying prayers and flying fighter jets overhead. Like it's, it is typical Americana, which you have to have to respect the commitment to the bit. I, yeah, I just will never, every time I forget every race, every IndyCar race that they do the prayer and the like fighter jets and everything. And every time I'm like, Oh, I, yep. We do this. Okay. <laughs> yep. Very American. Bow your head. <laughs> So IndyCar and Formula One have like their behind the scenes shows, right? IndyCar kind of did it a little bit this year. Do you think NASCAR would do it to try to get more people into it? Or do you think there would be, it would make a, a good show? I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I like, I don't see anything that would like preclude trying out that route because like it, they kind of did it for a bunch of sports, you know, after drive to survive. Cause I mm -hmm. used to work in tennis. I've always been like a tennis guy and they tried it. The literally the same producers tried uh, to replicate the drive to survive thing with tennis. And it was kind of like, eh. but I think if you go into it with that base understanding of what you're actually trying to do, which is forge like a connection to the personalities, then yeah, like I don't see any reason that, that wouldn't work and probably be interesting too. It's it's when you get into maybe the later stages, like these more recent years of Drive to Survive, where it's a little bit more focused on, know, there's always been drama in it, but it seems yeah. kind of like manufactured a little bit now. Like it's not, you don't yeah. feel like as behind the scenes anymore. It kind of seems like the communications professionals are having their day in the sun now. But yeah, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work with NASCAR. And I'd, I'd, I'd watch it. I don't care about them nearly as much as the Formula One drivers, you know, but some would like it, surely. Well, because there's yeah. so many of them. That's NASCAR. true. And then I, I do yeah, have to ask. race every race. Yeah. I yeah. do have to ask, you said you're a tennis guy. Yeah. What did you think about the rumor of Lance quitting F1 to go be, to go be a tennis star? <laughs> I made a, a TikTok of that. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I posted that one. And I was, I, I found a picture of or a video of him hitting a forehand, you know, hitting some strokes. And I was like, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going pro in tennis. There's nothing to worry about for anyone who's a Lance Stroll fan. He's, I, I genuinely think that I might have a shot. At, at beating Lance Stroll at tennis and so that's a long way from from the pros so that one I wasn't worried about but I did like the the these weird moments of crossover between the universes because like that was a big one with the tennis universe that I had to hear about at work and then like Fernando and Taylor Swift too oh yeah another where the the bubbles collide so James a big fan big fan of that that rumor. I am a Tanando truther I believe with I know factually didn't happen in my heart it did happen though because it was my favorite well, i mean for this are you absolutely sure that it's not going on and the kelsey thing is just a just a false flag i you, said this i said this and yeah. then we got hate for it we got so much hate for it yeah people were not happy <laughs> i feel like that's the truth and then the, all just, these rumors about Fernando retiring, what if he is retiring to support Taylor on her Eras tour? That's a good point. That's He's a, very a selfless good point. human. He would totally do that. So for sure. selfless. So he selfless. He can drive the tour bus. Exactly. They'd get her enough time. There you go. It'd be perfect. <laughs> Twice as many shows with all that extra time in this country. <laughs> Cut their travel time in half. That's perfect, yeah. <laughs> So speaking of your TikTok, when did you like decide to start making motorsport content? Um, it had kind of been just like floating out there as a, a potential idea for a while. Um, and then I decided to make it. I think I posted my first one in like February, maybe. And literally it just came from like I there were a couple of creators that I liked, like Ash Vandalay was mm -hmm. a the big one just that she like crosses series and just became a fan of everything like that was super um cool to me um but then deciding to do it was pretty much just like i like to make like my partner and my best friend laugh when we're sitting on the couch watching 
motorsport. And so why not just like see what happens with it and and just approach that way. And I, I did want to get to like a thousand followers by the end of the year. That was like my, my goal. But I think the, the way that it stayed fun for me was just being like, I, I don't I don't really care what happens, you know, perhaps we'll go on a fun ride and perhaps, you know, I'll top out at 30 people um, and, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that was that was the beginning of it. And that's kind of stayed the, the core of it was just poking fun at things, basically. It's the way to do it. I mean, especially. Formula One, I think more so than than IndyCar and NASCAR. There are times where it's like you are taking yourselves a little too seriously, uh-huh. and you are inviting people to make fun of you now. Yeah, they need it. We have to keep them check. You know, this can't be allowed to just. They will go off. They will just go way, way off if we let them. It's very important for us to ground them and humble them, and maybe mock them. You know, a little bit from time to time. It's healthy. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, then we can really see their personality. Did you see that video where they made George react to all the memes of everybody making fun of him? I, well, I saw that I saw that it was posted. I couldn't bring myself at the moment to watch George Russell content, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Poor Joe. Uh, she's like F1's diary on on TikTok, she made this whole video essentially like thirsting after George and he watched it. Oh no. Mercedes oh. made him watch it. Oh. Like there are certain things where it's like you aren't allowed to see it. Yes, it's published, it's posted publicly. Right. Yeah. This isn't meant for you to see. Well, now I kind of need to stay under the radar. This was a bad idea, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if the drivers react to some of my stuff, I'm not gonna take that well. I mean, you are known a little bit for for sharing some some opinions, some some may say yeah. hot takes. Yeah. One one that jumps out for me is because um, it did really resonate pre Danny Rick's return. You yeah. had some thoughts there. You also currently have some thoughts about Logan coming back. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess in order. The Danny Rick stuff to defend myself primarily is what this is about. I just didn't want it to be a situation where he comes back and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be like prime Red Bull Danny Rick now that he's out of McLaren. And then like if he just got worked by Yuki week after week, I like that was going to be tough for me. It was going to be like bad nights of sleep tough for me. And I didn't want everyone to to go through that. And I I did, in a genuine sort of way, want to like tamp down expectations of what a guy getting back into a Formula One car was gonna was gonna be like. But I ended it ended up being okay. And he you know battled Yuki pretty straight up. I think it was like four to three that they ended up, um, you know, in in I think in qualifying and race result maybe by the end of the year it was something tight. And I can I can live with that, um, but yeah, those those blew up. I think those resonated because people were feeling the the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, the Logan one, <laughs> I think a lot of people don't feel the way that I feel about that one. Yeah. Would you like to elaborate Jack, on Jack, how you feel? Yeah, Jack made a face when I yeah I brought it up earlier, so I feel like I'm talking to at least one of them. Jamie and I have spoken and we both very much agree that we would be terrible team principals because we just want people to have fun and do their best. And I don't think that he was set up for success at Williams. So, but I also just have like past trauma because of how Mick was treated at Haas. So it's just an all around, it's a trauma circle. It's just, it's, it's bad, but I, yeah, winning the Deconstructors Championship isn't great on no. your rookie season. <laughs> no, not awesome. And as far as the team principals comment, uh, given like what we've seen from Haas and Alfa Romeo and like um, <laughs> uh, Otmar this year, I think you guys would you you would probably be a 
the upper, you know, two thirds of team principals on the grid. So you can take some solace in that. But with the Logan thing, I was just like, I, I, I'm a Mercedes power guy. I like Mercedes a lot. Like Lewis Hamilton is my guy. And then I also like McLaren. I like both their drivers. Um, and I like Williams and I really like the Williams team principal more than mm -hmm. I like either of the drivers. But if you looking at 2024 and you're going to be in a fight with those are teams around you at the bottom of the, of the table, bottom ish half of the table. You, you can't be expecting Alex to, to shoulder the load. And it would be a big, big like development for Logan to bring home half of Alex's hall of points, whatever that ends up being. And I just felt like that was kind of tying one hand behind the back in a year where you can't really, I don't think, afford to do that. Now watch him come out and, and just like put the Williams P5, you know, in qualifying. <laughs> which I, no one would like that more than me. A lot of people would like that more than me, but like <laughs> I could live with it. You know, I could live with being wrong like that. I just don't want to see Williams like kind of become a development hub for drivers that they don't see a long, long term future with. That's all. Yeah. I, and I have someone going... oh, oh, go ahead, Jack. I was, Jack, we were going to ask the same question. Okay. I, I think I, I, I see your point there. And I do, again, going back to like Jack and I being too, too big of softies to be team principals. Like I understand the criticisms of Logan, but who replaces Logan in a, in a scenario that they didn't resign him for 2024? It's uh, very obvious. And I can't believe that you guys haven't thought of it. It's obviously Nick DeVries. He has a hundred percent. He's got a hundred percent scoring record in a Williams. Are, are you, is this a for real answer? No. <laughs> I got my, my setup was just perfect, though. You just no, because it's Paul. It's Paul Debris. It's oh Paul yeah, it's the new the new driver. Paul Paul who is a criminal, by the way. What international criminal? You know, yeah, Paul? the Paul Debris. That like error. I don't know how they ended up doing that. Like in the drivers' championship after Abu Dhabi, they were like twenty second is Paul Debris. Paul Debris. Someone looked him up on Wikipedia. International criminal. Are Not we sure it's Nick and they're just considering the money that he took in salary for his time at AlphaTauri? Yeah. We never got an update on the legal trouble that Nick was facing at the beginning of this season, okay. to my knowledge. So it could just be him. Oh, yeah. Good point. I forgot about that. Little criminal. Well, he's back in Formula E now, right? Yep. Yeah. Which I would also like to get into that. I tried that one. I, yeah. yeah, the quiet cars is is very like it's just kind of a whine, and the mm. sound of tires squealing is like not pleasant mm. when it's not being drowned out by whatever. But not you know, not to. It's more racing, so you know you do you. But that's uh, <laughs> that one's tough. <laughs> but no, to to seriously answer the question, like I would have liked to see someone from F2 make it in. Like, I, I do find it a little bit weird how that's only like kind of a pipeline of, mm -hmm. of talent. Um, and like, I know Porsche is with the Sauber Academy, but like, I honestly, Frederick Vesti was the guy that I was hoping because he's Mercedes Driver mm -hmm. Academy. And I was hoping that would be like a loan deal to, to Williams. But instead we got, we got Mr. Crash a lot, so. I guess it's Logan for another year. I I should stop being so mean. They're gonna someone's gonna play this at some point. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. gonna pull Logan's gonna be incredible this coming season. They're gonna pull all these clips of you. They, they will, yeah. <laughs> like his reputation tour, and he like has just that playing at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I I I do there needs to to be more, and I, there's no way that this realistically happens, right, with driver academies, but like the fact that we have no rookies on the grid next year. Yep. Yeah. And like just a completely same grid, basically, except for Nick DeVries, who's now Daniel. Um, like, you know, where, so this talent, like you do all of this, you spend all of this money 
in in Terra Porcher's case, you win F2. Frederick Press, you came very close to winning F2. And then it's like, where like there's nowhere to go, right? Because you're just not at the right place at the right time. You're in a driver academy and there's no open seats in that team. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's a very like fair critique with all this talent one level like below f1 and obviously like there's only 20 seats like everyone understands the math of it but it is odd now because you see um porsche is going to porsche and ayumo awasa are both going to super formula in yeah. japan to race where liam lawson is racing and so then you you get into like a a kind of weird thing of like is does super formula become like the true feeder and f2 is like now f3 and f3 is f4 and yeah like it, it's it's very odd to me that this is where we find ourselves yeah because well, other like, drivers that are on the grid they came from super formula like i think pierre came from super formula yeah, i think that's right yeah pierre raced in super formula um Alex Albon obviously came from F2 at first, but what was he? He was racing in DTM in his year off. Yeah. So I guess that's yep. a different situation, but. A lot of the 20, the 2019 rookies came from, I think, F2, like Lando, George. Yeah, most, I mean, Logan, Logan was F2. Logan probably needed an yeah. extra year in F2. Probably. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oscar had a year off. Yep. Good. Yeah. He deserves it. That's true. Hard work. I love him. Big points. So Oscar. Big point oh, guy. I mean, Oscar, I actually like that is that brings up a good point when it comes to like how we judge rookies too. Because in the back of your head, Logan looks so much worse compared to Oscar. And everyone is like there's a number of reasons it's not fair to do that and you know okay and like logan didn't have the same sort of seat time that oscar did and so there's a whole whole bunch of mitigating circumstances there and it has thrown off curve for how we judge rookies now which is probably the biggest compliment you can pay to a rookie is that like you, we literally can't use you as a measuring stick because yeah. you're so good relative to other rookies. Yeah. Like he's Oscar's not a normal rookie. No. I mean, his season's what the only the most re, other successful rookie season was Lewis. Yeah. 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 But I could like, see like when I could see like when Frederick Vesti like gets on the grid, like he's gonna have a good year, a good rookie year, because he's been with Aston Martin, he's been the reserve driver. He's done everything. I can, I feel like Oscar kind of had the same. Are you talking about Drogovic or Vesti, Jack? I'm talking about Felipe. Did I say Frederick? You said Vesti. I got confused oh, for a second. <laughs> sorry. Dang it. But yeah, Felipe is the same, a, a similar case to yeah. Oscar, right? Like one F2 is now a reserve driver be crazy if it went the same way with him getting a seat oh with the madness Another <laughs> yeah. but i mean and we'll see if if that happens for him i mean i don't think fernando's leaving anytime soon lance isn't leaving anytime soon we'll see what happens there i know he was offered a seat with ed carpenter mm. which why would you take an ed carpenter seat but Sorry, Ed Carpenter. I don't mean that. Fair, um, fair. She does. She wait. means it. Me who was, who was offered? Who was offered? was offered a drive with Ed Carpenter uh, car. He didn't declined it. Um, but then, yeah, that, I mean, that brings up a whole other conversation of like turning down new opportunities in other series to stay in this Formula One space. Yeah with so little seats and so many drivers. Do you think Stroll is going to stick around? Because Crofty said that really weird thing, like mid-season, just like out of nowhere, it was like a FP2. And he was like, yeah, I think Lance might quit in a year. Like, <laughs> it was just no lead up or anything. It was just like, I've been watching around the paddock and he seems like a quitter 18 months from now. 
every like, once in a while, Crofty just drops something and you're like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say. plugged in guy or he just yeah. like sits at the bar and like tries to overhear things when the driver's <laughs> through. That could be it. That's he has, I feel like he has a face that I would tell secrets to as well. Yeah, he looks trustworthy. Um, but I will say after the, the Qatar incidents with the pushing, I did feel oh, yeah. like I was like, he, I feel like he sort of seems like he's over it. Yeah. Really? Cause I feel like in the past couple of races, he was, I was like, oh, okay. He wants it. He wants to stay. He wants to race. He turned it around. Like he, he really did. But I, I remember thinking that same thing when you, he shoved his trainer and I was like, Ooh, we should, someone needs to apologize first off. But yeah. right after that, maybe, yeah. maybe take a year, buddy. Yeah. I think it'll depend on Aston's performance this year and his performance in Aston. Cause he was, I mean, Mike crack kept being like, there's no difference in pace. Are you, you're lying right to our faces, Mike. Yeah. Having Fernando have like 206 points and Lance not breaking a hundred pretty rough. Yeah. If he has a good season next year, I feel like he'll stick around. Yeah. That could be. I, the things team principals say sometimes, like, honestly, like that sort of comment, it's like, we all, you do know, we all see the, we see the lap times, like <laughs> very few sports have this amount of performance related data on screen when we're watching it. It's like, not, you're, you're lying. Even if we're not <laughs> looking at lap times, just results. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. We've all seen Fernando on the podium. Yeah. Are you thinking that we don't see that when you say <laughs> these things to us? Right. Like, come on. Oh, Mike Crack. What a guy. What a name, dude. I'll say. I'll say. We did a, a back to base episode a while ago where it was just sort of like, here are the names of these people and what they do. And Mike Crack was one of those where I was like, sounds fake, real person. He's a real person. <laughs> yeah. 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 Team principal. Plumber, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's what I've always thought of with Mike Grack, but I don't know. Yeah. Can't, I can't believe it's his real name. Why also, why not go by Michael? Why not go by Michael? I've also thought that. Yeah. Michael yeah. Crack. Where did, I wonder where they found him because he replaced Otmar, correct? No. No. Didn't, wasn't Otmar, Otmar was Alpine. Wasn't, yeah, but yeah. before Alpine, wasn't Otmar with Aston? No, I didn't think so. I thought he was always on Alpine. Oh wait, no. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because him and 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 uh, Lawrence Stroll had those like awkward meetings in Drive to Survive. Yeah, they like hated each other. <laughs> and then in this most recent season of Drive to Survive, that whole episode yeah. of Otmar, and it was like his first day at Alpine or something. Yeah. I completely oh. forgot that. <laughs> it's because Otmar is my baby girl of the year. So everything he does is just right up here. Those selfies are you kidding? Uh, I mean, what a life that man's living. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, beyond Otmar, speaking of this past season, well, one, how are we feeling? A few, two weeks, one week, post-season, no racing? Um, I'm hanging in. I'm strong. I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, like, I was ready for it to be done. It, it was it was getting to be too much for me. I'm, you know, not a... Hmm. Haven't loved the last couple years. <laughs> <laughs> too much. But, yeah, and no, I was... I was ready for a little bit of a break. And then there was like the having Vegas too at that part of the year was like, this is a lot of stuff happening, like right at the end when everyone's pretty tired. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think we could all use a break. 
maybe actually. Yeah. I feel like I'll get to the end of the holidays and then I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I just want everyone to bring their A game, like a good car because I don't, I don't want max. Great. Like you had a very historical season. That's awesome. Good for you. I don't want it. If you win this next year, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I want it to be an actual fight. Yeah. You know, like, cause everyone's saying, oh, well, Mercedes dominated for how many years, but it was never that far apart. The points. Right. Yeah. So it was still entertaining to watch. Yeah. And there was teammate drama too, you know, not with the Botas years, but like Rosberg, you know, you were at least getting that. Yeah. Verstappen has just been so dominant and the car was so good for so long. It's just like, can we build their cars a little bit? Can we get close-ish to these guys? Yeah. That's what I want. I also want a Lando win next year. See, I'm kind of rooting against it now, which I feel bad about. I do feel bad about it. Just because I said it? (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah i'm staking out very (laughs) anti-jack all all stemming from the logan incident but uh no i now it's becoming like a kind of a sucker for punishment sort of thing where i kind of just want to see how long we can possibly go with lando like i think it'd be funny if oscar like won a full grand prix before lando so i i do feel bad about this because i like lando but a little bit of suffering is character building and entertaining. And if you can check those two boxes, then, you know, you're well See set See how up. far this will go. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like I would not be shocked if we got an Oscar win before we got a Lando win. Not to say that I, I think they're, I think Lando is deserving of a win and I think he can mm-hmm. definitely do it. I just wouldn't be that surprised. But what we really need is a better Mercedes and a better Ferrari. That's true. That's true. Cosine. Who like of those drivers, who do you who do you see as being like the challenger to to mass? If if Mercedes can build the car, it's Lewis, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say Carlos, again, same conditions as long as Ferrari gives him a good car and he ignores all their strategy and just does it himself. Yeah, I find I find Charles. I don't think he's as accident prone as um, people on TikTok and Twitter might have you think. <laughs> um, but I do feel that there are times where he's making mistakes. Um, but I, th- I I think if in a world where everyone Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, we could even add McLaren in there, everyone has a championship winning car. I do think Lewis comes out on top. Yeah. And I'm saying this as a Ferrari fan and a diehard yeah. Carlos fan. I think that's yeah. where it goes. Well, I yeah. would like another Lewis championship. Be sick. Same. Same. The way I reacted. Number nine. He, yeah. <laughs> the way I reacted <laughs> in Hungary, you would have thought that he won the championship then. He screamed yeah. so loud when he got that pull in Hungary. It's kind of how it felt a little. So good. And then the race was so yeah. good. So bad. Danny, but do you I, think he'd I mean, retire after his next championship? Do you think that's what he's holding out for? Probably. Yeah. I think I think he wants to hunt number eight and then break Schumacher's record. And then the thing with him is that it's like he like he's gonna go off and do like huge things. He Tote says it a lot, and so you can kind of like write it off because they're in the same team but he does transcend the sport so much that like i don't know how he keeps the focus because if i'm working on a movie with brad pitt or i'm driving a car like i know where my focus is going to be like i'm i want to go to california and hang out with brad but like somehow he manages to to get that level and i think it would be really funny if he like somehow he, he won't but wins it next year and then it's just like you know what contract extension i'm going till i'm like 48 and we'll <laughs> ride this thing to the end i would i would be there for that because i like him that much but i i probably agree that it's lewis in in the fight with max because 
Carlos, I, I don't know about a full season of him delivering the result that you kind of need. And Charles, like on one lap pace, probably Charles above everyone. I think he's the yeah. best qualifier on the grid, but it just hasn't translated. But if they figure out, you know, strategy, if they learn how to do strategy over the winter break at, at Ferrari, Freddie's got him going in the right direction mm-hmm. um, with some good calls at the end of the year. Like, I don't know. I could, I guess I'd be here for a, for a Ferrari win. I just want Charles to win Monaco. That's all I want. Yeah. For That's my yeah. dream. We want him to just have not a disaster. Would That'd be good too. Way to start. Yeah. But, yeah. Even on the podium, we take that. We'll take anything. Yeah. Formula yeah, One gods. Starving people, you know, in the middle of the desert. Just give us, just make that voice. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, other, other big races, you mentioned this. What was your take on Vegas? Because Jack and I talked about it after the in our Vegas episode. I think we spent forty five minutes. Agnosium, yeah, a lot. There's like a lot psychologically to unpack there because on on one hand, it's like I, I think American and especially new American Formula One fans have a little bit of like a inferiority complex of like will the rest of the world take us seriously if we're like raising them up on hunger games platforms and like and so i think we all have a little bit of an aversion to that side of it because we're like oh god we have to deal with enough of the europeans being mean to us for like being new to the sport but past that like i i didn't really have the concerns about the layout of the track like it's long straights and like some pretty slow corners. And then like really fast corner is that left-hander um, as you cross the start finish. I was like, this this should be good racing if like the track is in ice, you know? And it, it, it was, but they managed to deal with it. And so I thought, I thought this was, was nice. I think it's absurd to sign a 10 year contract and not bolt down drain covers, but like beyond that, it was it was all right yeah i i now identify as a retired vegas hater um okay. i i do think there are kinks to be worked out if we want to keep i i'm fine i'm honestly fine with some like the showmanship of it right it's vegas mm-hmm. whatever yeah. um i think we need to work on I think the after the oh, race James, needs to say that James say that again because you went out. I think we need to work on the intros. That part. Yep. I think we need to work on the intros a little bit. The driver intros. Um, Checos gives me heartburn to even think about. Uh, and then I think the after the race. I think we need to work on the logistics of that. The driving to the Bellagio for the fountains, the coming back, that was annoying. Other than that, the race I felt was one of the better ones of the year. So. Yeah, it was definitely competitive. So that made it fun to watch. Um, I enjoyed the opening ceremonies. Honestly, I thought it was so fun. Um, And it's dramatic. All of it. Loved it. Big Hunger Games fan. That also could be what's swaying me. Yeah. It is a good point, though, that, I mean, you're in Vegas. You might as well do it the the Vegas way. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can get on board with that. Did you guys consider, a, like, a hospitality suite for, like, a cool million for the... You know... Did you almost go? We, yeah, we were, we were like, we should just do it. You know, we should actually just buy the suite in case we decide to go, but we, yeah. we decided against it, you know, gotcha. fair yeah. maybe next year or if any brands want to send us next year. <laughs> no, honestly, I've, so I've been to Vegas once. Um, I loved Vegas. It was super fun. Um, yeah, I think it's sick. If you could just change up the times so us East Coast people don't have to get up at 2 in the I morning. I would prefer it not be as late at night. Yeah, that was tough. It was yeah. middle of the country, and I was like, Mid- midnight? Because I'm way more of a morning person, so the 6 a.m. races, I'm, I'm here yeah. for those. 
if you make me stay up late to watch Max win, that's, yeah. that's a crime. Yeah. I also feel like, like, especially because so many of the races are in the morning for American fans. So like, we just, I just have my routine with those, you know, like right. I make coffee and I kind of like sit there and I get like have a blanket and everything. And it's great at night. I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. Why are we driving back from the fountains now? This is taking forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's a fair point. Someone should, you should let someone know that you would like these changes. Yeah. We'll, we'll call, we'll call up the president of the FAA. He's not busy right now, so. Oh yeah, nothing going on. Yeah, should we broach that subject? Yeah, well, might as well, you know. Um, yeah, so Toto and Susie. I don't like it. I don't uh, like it. The so this story, I feel like, has grown. I feel like the beginning of it was there was a, the information about the cost cap was leaked to Toto at Singapore in 2022 by someone in the FIA. I'm not super clear on where Susie comes into this then. So to to put on my, you know, terminally online hat, <laughs> what I've heard <laughs> from the people who probably don't know, but from what I've heard, there was like a team principals meeting recently and Toto at one point said something in that meeting that indicated that he knew more than he should have known. And like one report said that Toto like immediately realized it and tried to like backpedal and pretend he didn't actually know. It was very embarrassing. This is a report that I've heard. And that is apparently information that Susie like shared with Toto from Formula One management. And that's now what has prompted what I find to be like largely a, a pretty absurd political thing where Susie is now under heat for this. It's, yeah. it's bizarre to me that we're, that we're here. Like she's been head of F1 Academy for a long time. Like, how are we, you know, all these team principals are children, like basically with yeah. their impulse control. How are we now having a, a problem with it? And I don't also like how it's like, I do feel like there's a little bit of a sexism thing there where it's like we we're, we're kind of giving Toto a pass and just like focusing on Susie as like Susie's the person who is doing something wrong and also recusing yourself from decisions or conversations is a very normal thing in the corporate world and in government and, and all of that. It would be very easy for them to just like cordon off the information that they're not going to talk about when Susie's there, tell Susie that Susie would be like, okay, like I'll leave the room for this topic and then you just be done with this. And so I'll be very disappointed. This ends with any like action being taken. Cause I think it's absurd. I mean, yeah, it's, it, she has been married to Toto the entire time that she's been F1 Academy president. The fact that this is coming up now, is this like, did you not, talk about this before you gave her the position do you not think that she is a professional experienced like person capable of this job do you not think that she would know not to share this information why is yeah is yeah. it just now coming up because we have these team principals that are making this big fuss why are they now doing this? Like, none of this makes sense to me. It just seems like a hack at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that also, like, I, I want to know what Susie knows from being in those meetings that is, like, applicable to Toto's job yeah. with Mercedes. Like, yeah. what conversation? F1 Academy managing director having that is like, oh, this could be a performance advantage for Mercedes. Like, I like I I just really don't believe that that's the case, like, you know? Ridiculous. Dumb. Yeah. Um, well, Nick, doesn't it feel like it, there's that overlap, right? Because that's what they're talking about is there like the overlap with Susie and Toto. But isn't there also like a ton of overlap just in the paddock in general? 
So it's like, just doesn't make sense of why they're picking out this specific thing. Half the FIA employees are former employees of teams. Yeah. 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 This doesn't make sense to me. And I'm a S- S- Susie Wolf stan. I love her. Love oh, F1 Academy. Great. Yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, just a quick call out. Are there any 2024 season or silly season predictions you want to just lay claim to right now? Uh, I, I think a, a Botas retirement is, is on the cards, sadly, as a mustache, like, you yeah. know, a, a friend <laughs> of the mustache community. Um, I, I could see that one coming down the, down the pipe. I think a, a Perez retirement is also possible. I think that 2024 could be the year of the retirement, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. All I right. Know. I mean, we have so many contracts up in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see a bodice retirement, especially with, you know, the upcoming switch to Audi for that team. Yeah. Um, Checo will be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. To see what happens there. Yeah. Because I mean, he said he wants to stay, but do you really want to stay the team? Red Bull is. Seems like toxicity just all around how they treat their drivers. I don't like it. Yeah. On on one hand, it's like he's a racer. Like he's always going to want to be in the best car he can be in. And that's going to be Red Bull. And I get that. And at the same time, like, I think something breaks inside when you go up against someone who's an all-timer. And unless you can occupy that headspace of like, Valtteri, where Valtteri mm-hmm. was like, listen, I like the way he talks about it because it's super honest and it doesn't have like the the macho sort of things. It's like, I will just always be like two tenths slower than him. And that's just like, that's how it is. And I think if yeah. you can accept that, then there's maybe some longevity there. But, you know, I guess now that I say, I know I've kind of hitched my horse to, you know, Valtteri and Checo, I could see Valtteri returning to Williams um, and get rid of that fraud Logan Sargent. <laughs> and then <laughs> and be like, keep maybe my wife's name out Chico. your mouth. Oh. <laughs> now I'm defending oh someone who I don't even need to like, like. <laughs> disagree on, on, on a few things. But other than that, I, I don't really care that much. We get yeah. another year of Florida man memes and that's, and what is a kilometer? That's all that matters. That's, that's, that's true. I guess that's, that's the positive way to spin this. Yeah. I work but in PR. <laughs> I work in PR. Oh my God. Twinsies. Nice. Nice. Uh, you're, you're too, you, you're both too similar. That's where you keep fighting about Logan's heart. Logan. Yeah. Good point. Uh, but when Andretti gets on the grid, they'll have an American driver. He might not be from Florida, but we can still make the what's a kilometer jokes. That's so not true. All would be lost. Dude, I That's can't true. wait for Andretti. Can't wait. Colton Herda, maybe? Probably. That's what people I are saying. Feel like it's I it makes I mean like the the Andretti's relationship with the Herdas makes me think that it would be Colton. Yeah. Driver. Joseph Newgarden? Joseph Newgarden, he looks American. (laughs) Logan is American. Joseph Newgarden looks American. I didn't think that he was. You're an American. Right. (laughs) I didn't think that he was because of how he spells his name. Oh, yeah. yeah. J-O-S-E-F. Just the F? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was like a European. But no, it turns out, yeah, he's very American. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's from like Tennessee or something. Yeah. Bible Belt. Did you guys get to IndyCar races? Yeah. Here? So I went yeah. to St. Pete and we both went to Nashville. Nashville was fun. fun. Nashville, yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. Highly yeah. recommend. We'll be back this year. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We're going to do I both did, of those. I did Road America. It's like my and favorite. what's the paddock access like for? 
for the ones you went to nashville didn't have paddock like open paddock at all um, okay st pete had an open pad open paddock on friday and maybe on saturday as well gotcha oh that's a lot yeah see but you nashville, gotta get to road america was, yeah is road america just open just open yeah. <laughs> That's Literally so chaotic. Just, just walking up behind the 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 pit boxes like during the race. That that Jack. Yeah. Dang. It's insane. I I stood in line for a bathroom with Renus VK. <laughs> who just stood there. He didn't even insane. say like, "Hey, can I cut the line?" No, I was I was scared. <laughs> I was I was scared, and then the world's smallest man, um, Felix Rosenquist, was very short. Yeah, so short. He was walking past me. Oh, is he? Congrats! Yeah. To congrats Felix. to Felix. Uh, congrats, Felix. He was walking past uh, me and my best friend, who were there just in the paddock, like eight minutes before the race. And he was literally walking out to go stand by his car while they did the prayer. And a guy stopped him for an autograph, and we both stood there, and and me and Nick, like we looked at each other, and I was like, should I say something to him? And and he like, yeah, yeah, probably. And then I didn't because I was scared of him too. It's very, I don't know, it's scary around. It's them. scary. Didn't you, Jack didn't. Jack didn't agree with me on this. Jack almost got mowed over by willpower on an electric. Oh yeah. But he smiled and waved, Jaffer. <laughs> <laughs> so thank him for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack was was the one that made me we talked to we talked to Stingray. We talked to Marcus Erickson. Uh by the way, the nicest human being, Marcus. Marcus Erickson uh, is so Erickson nice. Is so nice. Yeah. Um so we talked nice. to Roman and then we talked to Devlin D. Francesco. Oh, and yeah. yeah. They were all incredibly nice. Devlin, we talked to him right after quality. He had a really bad quality. And we were like, hey. We were like, hey, do you want to talk? And he was like, yeah. He did it. But he did it. So thank you for thank you for doing it. We know you didn't want to do it. We were like, afterwards, you're like, that's, that's, we shouldn't have done that. I'm jealous you got to talk to Roma. I was always, I'm always kind of rooting for him. I have two of his die cast cars in my office. Do you? Yeah. How do you feel about his his new team assignment or his new seat? Yeah, yeah. they'll throw <laughs> yeah. away more wins. Yeah, I just hope Callum figures something out. I don't know yeah. how that's gonna go, but yeah. yeah, I'm excited for IndyCar to come back. Speaking of um, IndyCar drivers' lives, Alex Pelot just had a baby. Oh, yeah. congrats to Alex! Everything's, everything's kicking off in the personal exactly. lives of our IndyCar drivers. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter today. Oh, interesting. Very cute. Um, all right. Final thing before we will yeah. let you go, Danny. Thank you so much for your time. What is your feud? Like, what's your motorsport? Your one thing? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna get in trouble for this one. I think. I don't know why people feel so differently about it, but for the life of me, I cannot understand this argument about trackless. I, I, I'll go to my grave with this. I, the people who are like, well, they're driving at 200 miles an hour. Like it's hard. I know we, we all know, we all get it. Like we fundamentally understand that it is hard and yet there are lines that we must stay within. Like you don't hear this with any other sport. It's not like in the NFL, a uh, receiver's running down the sideline for the touchdown, steps out of bounds, and everyone's like, do you know how hard it is once you get past the 20-yard line? It's really hard to stay in bounds. Let's just let him have the touchdown. He's trying his best. But like when you take it to motorsport, all of a sudden and and especially like this year because i think it was last year or something maybe two years ago they were doing the whole like okay at turn five it's the white line but at turn seven it's like the outside of the red and white curb which is like that is a terrible way to do it there's no argument there and then all the commentators and stuff are like just make it the white lines and then they made it the white lines 
and everyone lost their mind and was like, well, this is terrible. This isn't any fun. These five second penalties and stuff. And I'm like, it would, it's the easiest thing in the world to understand how to not get the five second penalty. You simply have to not drive off the road. And that might be tough to do, but if Crofty's going to tell us 24 times a year that you're the 20 best drivers in the world, I will insist that you keep the car on the road. Like I, I just, I, I get so fired up about this one because like there are good critiques of like, we shouldn't be handing out, you know, five second penalties after a race or whatever, fully agree. Like implementation, sure. Implementation, sure. It's hard to do. They hold no weight with me. None. I just, oh. And I feel like like Zoolander. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills every time that this comes up. So I'm, I'm looking around me at like my partner who agrees with me. Yeah. So like yeah, Cam is not like the best person <laughs> for me to like be angry with because they agree with me. But I, I'm just flailing around in my living room when for the eighth weekend in a row, it's like, God, these, these darn track limits. There's white lines. Just stay within them. Like, stay within the white lines. <laughs> I know. This is, yeah, this is a take. I mean, I have not heard it. I feel like the, the echo chamber online is everyone hating track limits. And I personally hate track limits when it affects somebody that I like. Um, I yeah. love it when it affects right. people that makes the race more interesting. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, do you think though there are certain times where it's like overkill? Like no, I think honestly we should just have more. I want, <laughs> I want the strictest possible interpretation of track limits. If because if I have to hear, I know the money that these drivers make. Okay, we all know the salaries that they're on, and like, it's never an excuse to be mean to them online. I think it is an excuse to tell them to stay within white lines and i'm i'm all for like was it i think it was the f1 academy race at texas or something where one of the drivers like she fully went like four four wheels off and was like cutting a corner to do it and it's just the dirtiest racing move i've ever seen in my entire life i want the same spirit of that but it from the stewards to the drivers like if you dip a wheel in grass I should be like a 10 second penalty. And then, and yeah. then we're really going to see, we're really going to see who the, the big dogs are. So I think what you're pitching is like, everyone gets the treatment of Esteban Ocon at that one race where he got so many penalties that he just DNF. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to just be like an arithmetic challenge to figure out who's finishing where it should just be like that would be people crazy. with calculators, bring in like an engineering school student and like make them have them on camera and make them have to do the math to announce the finishing order. Oh, this no. is, this is one turned up to 11. <laughs> it's like the more we talk about it, the more diabolical it's getting. Like, yeah, literally more evil. I'm getting, I'm getting fired up now. <laughs> All the bad stuff starting to come out. So yeah, I think curious. my grievance with like track limits is it just was, it felt like overkill to me. That's yeah, all. Like every I'm curious now, what is your take on, you know, earlier in the season, it was like first two races in a row, I think, where they were giving people penalties for not parking in their grid spot correctly? Yeah. Do you, They loosened it up on that. Were you anti the loosening up of those types of yes. rules? Yes. <laughs> I am a purist when it comes to a couple <laughs> things. And one of those things is parking the car that you are paid $20 million to drive. Yeah, like it's the most laughable thing too, because they weren't like at no point were they like, okay, we're gonna remind the drivers how important it is and like what the penalty is for not parking your car correctly. It was like, we'll just we'll just make the boxes a little bigger for them. Like it's the most absurd solution it, like possible. These are just literal professional drivers but we got to help them out with the parking. It's the parking that always <laughs> which I guess maybe that's, I, maybe it's the same with us, you know, in our lives, we're all really good drivers, I'm sure, but some of us can parallel park and some of us can't. And it seems with F1 drivers, there's a real skill limitation when it comes to driving a car straight and then stop it in a white box. 
come on. <laughs> hey, you know, as as a fellow person who cannot park for their life, I relate to it a little bit. I'm also that, not paid $20 million to drive, though. That's They're true. paid $20 million dollars to drive, not to park. Not to park. That's I, true. That's, that's, that's a loophole. That's a loophole. <laughs> I think with Jamie's, with Jamie's inability to park, she is at least a percentage of the way to being as good as a Formula One driver. You know, I that's could the do way it. to look at it. Michael I, Andretti, so. I don't think it's that hard. Yeah, Michael Andretti, if you're <laughs> looking for your American driver, if you're not sold on Colton Herta, yeah. I'll give it a shot. I, I'm, I'm convinced. There's a slowdown pedal and a speed up pedal. And you yeah. got a little bit of shifting. Come on. G-forces. Yeah, give me a break. Just give me like a, I'll just rest my head on the on the thing. Yeah. yeah. Like it instead of fine. a regular Hans device, just give me like a whole collar to keep That's my right. neck up. And then I'll be yeah. fine. And even like Qatar with drivers passing out, I'll pass out. I don't, <laughs> it's fine. I don't, I don't mind. I'll willingly go in knowing I'm going to pass out. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Caveat, if I puke in my helmet, I'm stopping. I'm oh, not yeah. doing that. That's disgusting. Not no, happening for me. What, would, oh, what if you run out of water? You could just re-drink it. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Then you just throw up again. Yeah. Well, then you probably oh, would. Oh, I don't, I'm stopping. I'm so stopping. Trigger, trigger warning yeah. for people who don't like talking about throw up. Yeah, a thousand people just gagged as they were. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll put a trigger warning. <laughs> TW vomit dog. Vomit dog. <laughs> All right. Well, deeply enlightening last hour we've had, Danny. Thank you so, so much. Thank Very you. Very enjoyable. Thanks for spending some time with me. And uh, Danny, where can people find you? Uh, on TikTok at uh f1 danny boy i'll be the the loud one who's complaining about track limits <laughs> you'll, you'll know him when you see him that's right that's yeah. it. he's still the riled up he's gonna go make content on it now just to get it out of his system i i probably will <laughs> you gotta cool off before bed yeah your cool down time is just like 10 tiktoks ranting about track <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, and it's going to be your fault. So, so the people will know who to thank for this. It's like people commenting, like, please stop. And you're just like, no, it's the Family One podcast. <laughs> they did this to me. All right. Well, we will let you go make those TikToks, Danny. Okay, um, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, everybody have a wonderful week. Love you. Bye. Bye, everybody.